0: So let's bring up Revelation 11, verse 15. It says, And the seventh angel sounded, and there were great voices in heaven, saying, The kingdoms of this world are become the kingdoms of our Lord and of his Christ, and he shall reign, everybody say it with me, forever and ever. Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you, God, that your word is not a good story, but your word is truth. And your word is truth that hasn't even been proclaimed yet. Your word is truth for all ages. And Father, right now, we latch onto this scripture this morning and we ask you to speak to us about your kingdom coming, about everything on this earth being brought under your rule. In Jesus' name, amen. I want you to imagine, if you will, you are John. And you are on the island, you're alone, you're secluded, you're out there. And the Holy Spirit begins to reveal things to you. And the heavens begin to open up and you begin to see things. And you begin to write things down that you really probably don't have the full revelation of how far it will go. That we will be here in... uh, This starts 2000 2,000 years later. Um, reading something that he wrote that he saw and people and churches all over the world have been wrestling with revelations for ever since he penned it. But imagine if you will, he's sitting there and you hear he says great voices, great voices is how the King James explains it. Um, great voices roaring through from another dimension. When we think of heavens, we think of the sky. So it's like if we were going to paint this, the clouds would part and he would begin to. And there would be an angel with a long brass trumpet, you know, and he would look very British, you know, in a long flowy rope. Um, but in all actuality, heaven isn't behind the clouds. <clears throat> we're actually talking about heaven is the best word that we know how to describe heaven is another dimension even though that sounds like we're into some Area 51 stuff. But it's actually, heaven is another dimension from where we are. We know that, um, that, there can be, that John was able to see into this dimension. Paul was able to see into this dimension. There's some few instances in the Bible where people have been able to see into uh, this heavenly dimension. But he says uh, that he's there and great voices roar through from that other dimension. And these voices were close enough to the threshold of our world to be heard clearly by his ears. And the content of what they were saying is the most phenomenal thing. It's really, you know, the event itself is overwhelming, I'm sure. But the content of what they're saying is actually the point. And what they're saying is this, they are announcing the end of, of all and any authority that isn't fully submitted to his. There are actually these, these voices that are shouting out from this other dimension through that, through that barrier into John's dimension. He hears them saying that all of the kingdoms, that word is Basilia, it's Sovereignty. They translated it kingdoms because this is the King James Bible and kingdoms is something they're familiar with, but we can think of it as rulership or uh, somewhere where God is sovereign or not sovereign. So he's saying basically that the sovereign rulers rulerships of this world are going to come under the rulership of heaven, that they're going to come under the sovereignty of our Lord and His Christ, and they, and He shall reign. Forever and ever. So. There's more than just two kingdoms here listed. We think of it, you know, kingdoms of this world. But you notice it's plural, right? There's the kingdoms of this world. I like to imagine that that would include governments. We all think that, you know, kingdoms. Yeah, governments, right? Okay. But not just governments. I think of like maybe financial empires. Um. And then I think on a little bit smaller scale, my empire, your empire, my kingdom, your kingdom, anything in my life that is not fully submitted to the sovereignty and the rule of God one day will be. And as believers, we've been given an opportunity to submit fully to him. You know, that's what salvation was, right? when we got saved it's basically it was it was an exchange you say god i lay down you know i have to pray that every morning every morning i have to pray god i die to my ambition i die to the things that i want i die to the things that i am striving for to achieve i lay it down i let it die and I take up your yoke. Your yoke is easy. Your burden is light. You have a plan and a destiny for my life. It was designed for me. That's what I want. And guys, we have as believers, the Holy Spirit has even been given to us to lead us and to guide us in God's will. So no matter what we face, no matter what we're going through, no matter what question, uh, what uh, decision we have to make, we have the Holy Spirit that we can listen to. The Holy Spirit can tell us which way to go if we're sensitive to Him. And he can lead us through life and we can know God's will. You say, what is God's will? How can we know God's will? Well, you can't if you don't know the Holy Spirit. I'm just saying the Holy Spirit was given to you so that you could know God's will in every situation. So it includes my kingdom, your kingdom, anything in my life that's not fully submitted to him. Whatever is not under his rule. The other thing that's listed the, that's, that's coming is the kingdom of God. Now, the kingdom of God, uh, all through the word, I can, I can pretty much derive, and I think we can all derive that the kingdom of God is always expanding. And you say, well, God just wants to take over, over everything. Yep, that's the truth. God wants to have dominion. Did you know anywhere that, that he is not Lord, he cannot fully be. And you say, well, I, I want, uh, you know, I want God to, to come and just, uh, you know, just um, and, and be with us and everything. Well, is he Lord? First of all, let's, 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 let's answer that question. Is everything in my life submitted to him? Because if it is, there's nothing keeping him out. If he is fully Lord in my life, then he can ha- fully have his way. Now, I got I to admit to you, he's not in my life. He 's not fully lord in every part of my life I, it's a process i'm going through this process but I can guarantee you this in the places that i've given over to him i've seen him take that ground and i've seen ble- i 've seen uh, that I was blessed in that area and i've seen peace in that area guys there's so many things that I wake up I wake up stressed out I just do I wake up because I know there's emails and stuff like that. When my phone dings through the weekend, I'm not going to look at my phone. I'm not going to look at my phone. But lo and behold, you know, I'll I'll glance at it, something or something. And, uh, but anyway, and then I'll just get stressed. I I, I attacked my wife, not physically, but I attacked my wife the other day because she she came out on a Saturday and she said, hey, uh, I want to talk to you about this statement or whatever. And I was just like, don't come at me with that on a Saturday. I'm not going to have any peace the rest of the week now. You know, it's just like it's just like well, you know, it's a disaster on my part. But the the, the fact is that, that I'm constantly fighting stress and anxiety there, and I know that that's an area that I have not fully submitted to God, because the Bible says this. The Bible says that the the blessing of the Lord makes one rich, and He has no sorrow with it. So work, whatever it is, if you're stressed, then perhaps you haven't given him lordship in that area. Perhaps you haven't fully given that over to him. So the kingdom of God is always expanding and it will consume every other kingdom from yours and mine to world governments. It will consume everything, whether we volunteer it or we wait till the seventh trumpet to sound, it's going to happen. Um, when I was 16 years old, I found myself in a place, um, uh, let's see, in opposition to my father, my earthly father. I, uh, and let me tell you about my dad first. My dad is by far one of the meekest, most sensitive people I know. He's a, he's a quiet-natured person. He processes internally um, one some of the fond, most fond memories of my dad is in church. We went to a small church where people could speak up. Y'all, y'all been to a church like that? Who was raised in a church like that where um, it's small enough where somebody can say, "Well, you know," the, and so it says, you know. And somebody just speaks up, you know, out of the congregation, you know. Amen, brother, you know. And that's the, that's the churches that I grew up in. And my dad was that person. He always, God, the Holy Spirit was always speaking to him. And he always had something to say. But he was so shy and, uh, not shy, he was so quiet. And he was so meek and everything. And <clears throat> my dad, my dad's probably going to see this. So I want to be careful. My dad, who is much thinner than I am, but his shoulders are probably twice as broad as mine. Uh, and I mean, just, just naturally he's worked hard all his life, but he's just naturally a muscular guy. And, um, but he, uh, he's, but like I said, he's kind of slender and he'll, he'll cross his legs real tight, you know, clear his throat. throat) And we know he's fixing to say something. That's our cue to listen up. He's got something deep he's going to say. And, uh, so my dad will clear his throat and he'll speak, and I guarantee you, you can put money on it. Thirty seconds into what he's saying, he'll get emotional, and he'll start to choke up, and he'll have difficulty, you he'll know, have to clear his throat a bunch of times to keep to be able to say what he wants to say because he's so sensitive and so to the Holy Spirit, and he's so uh, moved, easily moved by the Holy Spirit. So my dad, in that regard, my dad is uh, much a much better father than I am. And that was his big failure. He didn't teach me how to parent like he did. So, um, one day I was 16 years old. I walked in. I was a lot like my mom. I wasn't like my dad. I was a lot like my mom. My mom was an aggressive boy. <laughs> she, uh, um, my mom. Uh, I, I didn't. I didn't wrestle much with my dad. I wrestled with my mom. Uh, me and my sister and my mom. It was WCW Throwdown. I mean, we were. Uh, my sister got thrown against a bookshelf one time. We thought the cops was going to get called on her. I mean, she, uh... anyway, my mom was of, like, and so me and her have a lot of the same personality. And so when I was 16, I was a hellion. I was so far away from God. I would come in and she would confront me like any good mom should. And one day that happened. It was late. my dad, by the way, has to get up at like four thirty. had to get up at like four thirty every morning and go cut logs. So, I mean, you did not wake up my father Y'all, y'all live in a house like that. You did not wake up your dad. I would come in' it'd be like three o'clock and uh, my mom been stayed up and she'd been by the way i never I was always out looking for trouble. side note, I was out to three a m because i couldn 't find it anywhere <laughs> i wasn 't cool enough to find trouble. Um, But anyway, I would come home and I'd see that lamp on in the living room. My mom be in the swivel rocker and uh, and she would be waiting up for me. She'd be praying. And she said, uh, where you been? She would go from praying and in the spirit to to getting physical with me, which I know couldn't have been godly in a blink. And uh, so she may have been praying that she didn't kill me. I don't know. But she would come home and she would, uh, I mean, I would come home and and, and she said one one day, she said one night, she said, uh, said something to me and everything and just irked me. It hit me wrong. And me and her had a verbal exchange right there in the hallway. My dad's door right there, mom and dad's bedroom door. And uh, it it always ended with go to your room. (laughs) Just go to your room. It was something like, I can't even look at you anymore (laughs) or something. Um, So I I went to my room. I wasn't there very long when my dad showed up in my room. My dad, the most meek, mild person, sensitive person you could ever imagine, suddenly knew moves like he had been uh, (laughs) undercover in the Soviet Union. I don't know. You, you ever, you ever find out how many of you found out when you were a kid, at some point you found out that your, your parents must have a past because where did you learn that move? You know, and who else did you use it on? But, um, it was something pertaining to his thumbs under my collarbones. I'm two inches off the ground against the wall. I thought my collarbones were going to snap. Um, and he got in my face in that moment. He's, he, he, He didn't have, he's in his whitey tighties, no shirt on. And did you see every muscle flinched? And he said, get your, and I won't say the word, not because it's a cuss word, just because I shouldn't say it in church, and get out. I crossed the line. And I got my stuff. I found me a little apartment. Lasted about six months. I couldn't pay my bills. And he welcomed me home. That's how that story, I was the prodigal son. I came back and he's just like, he welcomed me home and we cried and and talked and everything. And it ended well and it was a great lesson for me. And the lesson that I learned more than anything else is that my dad was more like God, and this is going to sound odd, in that moment, or as much like God in that moment, as he was at any other point in my life. I don't look back at that moment with any... uh, angst, I don't look back at that moment with anything except a fond memory, which is weird. But I look back at that moment and I see something in my father that I never saw before that I needed. I saw a line that he had drawn in our family that protected our house. It protected our family. And he alone stood at that line and nobody crossed it. Not even me. And when I crossed that line and I found that line, I felt safe. I knew that my dad was for me. I knew that my dad loved me. But I knew there was something beyond that. There was something higher than that. There was a line that he had drawn that I, wouldn't, I couldn't even cross. So let me tell you something. There is a difference between someone's authority... And their rulership. Did you know the line was always there? I just never crossed it. I knew my dad was in charge. But he had just never exercised his authority until that moment. The point of Revelation eleven fifteen is this. That he will reign. Now we look around us and we say, you know, is God, you know, is God reigning? Well, I, I still look at things and I'm like, well, obviously not there. You know, that doesn't look like heaven to me. How do you know if God is reigning if it looks like heaven? He's he, the whole reason, our whole commission is to bring heaven to earth. Our whole commission is to bring make disciples of nations is to bring entire nations under the rulership and the sovereignty of the kingdom of God. And so we uh, uh, he will reign, but the authority has already been established. And I'm going to go deep with y'all, so I hope y'all, I hope y'all are are paying attention. So, authority has already been established in Matthew 28. In Matthew 28, it says this: and Jesus came and spoke to them, talking about the disciples, and adversely you and me. And He's saying, "All authority is given unto me in heaven and in earth." Everybody say, "All authority." He, he just he had just died on the cross. He had just risen from the grave. And he said he came back to his disciples and he said, look, this is what's just happened. Newsflash, guys. All authority is given to me in heaven and in earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Baptism is a sign of dying to yourself being buried with Christ being resurrected into the kingdom what is the kingdom it's his rulership his authority so when uh when he's, he commands us to be baptized it's it's uh we just say well it's just a uh, an outward showing of what happened in your heart you know guys it's important it's important that everyone understands the concept the otherwise salvation could take on any kind of a meaning well just do this. You're saved. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, baptism is actually the representation of what is what salvation really is. It's dying to yourself, going under, laying it all down, and it's coming up, being resurrected into new life, but under his authority, under his rule. I've died to all of that. God, I want you to be in charge now. So and that's what we're supposed to be preaching. So Um, So he already has the authority and he has commissioned us to bring, everybody say nations, nations under his rule. And one day he's going to break down all secular authority and he will establish his kingdom. He will. And guys, we know uh, we look around us. I mean, we know the Bible says that uh, gross darkness will cover the earth. That's what the Bible—the words the Bible uses—gross darkness that is going to cover the earth. We know that there will be a line, and when that line is crossed, uh, in the Old Testament, uh, it's—you can see it in the um, when the children of Israel were in captivity. They were in the captivity for four hundred years. The Bible says until the iniquity of the Amorites was complete, which is a little strange, you know, when you read that. But what he was saying is. The the iniquity of the Amorites is going to come to a boiling point, and in that day, this and this and this will happen. Well, right now um, there's a there's a, a guy who spoke a prophet a prophetic word um, that I respect. I don't I don't uh, and he said that he heard that in the spirit. He was praying and he heard God say, "The iniquity of the Amorites is almost complete," and he knew what that meant, and I know what that means. And guys, I want to tell you, I mean, for for the church, it's exciting, you know, um, but for everybody else, it's it's uh, it's, for the Amorites. It's pretty scary, I'm sure. Um, So he's going to uh, let me back up. Okay, so one day he's going to break down all sacred and establish his kingdom. Um, We've actually been commissioned just like Moses, you know, staying with that picture from the Old Testament. The way he commissioned Moses, he said, go tell Pharaoh to let my people go. So what Jesus is saying in the Great Commission, he's saying, look, all authority is now mine. Now, go tell Pharaoh, let my people go. That's essentially what Jesus is saying. Go rescue my people from every stronghold, everything that has held them bound. Take them, bring them out of captivity and into the promised land. Go tell Pharaoh, let my people go. There's going to come a day when God is going to once again break down Pharaoh. God is once again going to... Let me ask you this. Do you think that if Moses had not been obedient, if he had not gone to tell Pharaoh, 400th year, something's got to happen. Something's got to give. We're at 400 years and God don't lie. He's saying in the 400th year, it's going to happen. If Moses had refused to go and tell Pharaoh to let, God said, let my people go. If he had refused to do that, I wonder if the plague still would have come. You know, we we think of them together. We think, okay, so he didn't listen to Pharaoh, so God's backing, uh, he didn't listen to Moses, so God's backing Moses up. So let me ask you this. Do we have anything to do with the things that we're facing today? The social... Unrest, the uh, uh, the pandemic, the hurricanes one after another. All of these things that the Bible says will increase. You just got to know that that will increase. So, but he's commissioned us to go and communicate to people what these things mean. He's told us to go and explain to people that the end is coming. But here's hope. Here's what's going to happen if you will only believe so he's called us to go do that now are we doing that the way we're supposed to i'm not i'm not sure we are but the things are still happening and the things will still increase so I, I just wonder if moses had not gone to pharaoh and he said i'm not going he might kill me i'm not going to do that the, i wonder if the plagues still would have come now if the plagues would have still come much like things are happening today if that would have st- that would have happened Pharaoh probably would not have a clue what it meant. Pharaoh would have been just confused, like, why does, you know, why does the world hate me? You know, it's just like he wouldn't have had an explanation. So I think that's a lot of what we're dealing, going to be dealing with as we approach the end times. Is because people are going to face the end times without God. And God has sent us to explain what these things mean. We're supposed to be explaining that the end is coming. A lot of us, we don't want to face that truth, much less communicate it to everybody else. But the end is coming. And it's, and God has commissioned us, just like he commissioned Moses, to go and rescue his people uh, before that happens. So, but in much like in Moses' day, there's going to come a time, the seventh trumpet's going to sound, and he's going to break down what's holding his church back, what's holding his people back. He's going to break it down. And everything's going to come under his rulership. So um, so people are f- going to face the end times. And you can call it climate change. You can call it pandemic. You can call it political unrest. Heaven calls it closure. That's what the word of God t- calls it. And people need to know where to turn. There's going to be so much a- anxiety. I mean, we, you think that we've seen uh, uh, an epidemic of, of depression and anxiety and suicide. Guys, as, as these things start uh, coming to a head, we ain't seen nothing yet. You have not seen what hopelessness will do. Real hopelessness. And guys, I want to tell you, there's no hopelessness like not having an eternal vision and being limited to a and knowing that things are winding down. Um, so our commission is to communicate kingdom authority and announce its coming rule. And I'm going to do a side note here, and I'm going to uh, kind of gamble with you guys for a minute, and I'm just going to uh, assume that I'm not going to offend or hurt anybody's feelings, and so I'm just going to uh, issue this side note that heaven is not going to be a big version of the United States. I let that sink in. A lot of us... Right now, especially a lot of us, uh, we think this is what heaven looks like. No, no, it's not. The, the, the biggest, um, the best uh, version of the United States that you wish that you could make in November is not going to be like heaven. It's just not. We, uh, we, it's not going to be like the U.S. And biblically, we know this. Um, if, if, you're, if you're looking for the United States in the very end times of prophecy and scripture, you're going to have a hard time finding it. And I'm just, I'm, I, I know that that's hard to swallow, but I just want everybody to really grasp the reality that Jesus is coming back and the things that need to happen to, for, before, that, before he comes. So America, in my mind, is probably going to eventually fall... To, a socialist, to socialism, and then get lumped into a larger world government. I think that's probably, I mean, that's just an opinion, but that looks like the way that things are going to go down. You know, I mean, 10 years ago, we would have said that couldn't have ever happen, maybe in 100 years. But, I mean, it's amazing now we get glimpses of, yeah, that could happen. We could get lumped in to a larger government uh, pretty easily and pretty quickly. Um and the reason that that hasn't happened yet is because the work of the American church is not complete. We have not completed what He has told us to do. Now, in me, um, if if I'm if I that makes me afraid. And I, I'm and guys, I want America to last, the United States to last, and to be what it is. It's, you know, and in, 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 with all its faults and all of its everything, I mean, it's still the best place on earth to me. And I want it to remain forever, but it's not going to. And and if I let it, if I if I think about it in that way, then I'll begin to say, well, maybe the church, maybe we should. Uh, You know, play that hand with God. You know, it's just like, well, maybe we don't need to complete the work just yet. You know, maybe we need to hold, drag this thing out a little more or whatever. But we've got to get to a place where we say, whatever gets that seventh trumpet to blast, let's do it. We've got to get to a place where the United States government, nothing living here in the United States, there's nothing on this world more desirable to us than the kingdom of God then everything looking like the kingdom of God. And of course, we should fight for our country to continue as long as God wants. But we have got to advance the kingdom knowing this, though, that it will bring closure to the United States. There will come a day when the government of the United States, even if it lasts till that seventh trumpet blast, that when that seventh trumpet blast. The United States government will end and it will become it will come under the sovereignty and the rule of God. So and we're talking big, but really the point is, is that you and I have personal kingdoms set up. You and I have these personal kingdoms, which is just any ambition outside of his plan and design for us. And those will fall. Just along with every government. Everything that is not fully submitted to him. There's no escaping it. <laughs> There's no exemption. There's no get out of jail free. There's no nothing. It's gonna happen. And you can submit everything in your life to him now. Or you can face enforcement with the rest of the world. The Bible promises us this. Hebrews twelve twenty five through verse twenty seven. It says, see that you refuse not him that speaks for if they escape not who refused him that spake of earth, much more shall we not escape if we turn away from him that speaks from heaven, whose voice then shook the earth. But now he has promised saying yet once more, I shake not the earth only, but also heaven. And this word Yet once more signifieth the removing of those things that are shaken as of things that are made, that those things which cannot be shaken may remain. Everything that can be shaken in your life will be shaken. In another scripture, everything that can be can burn up will be put to the fire. There will be a dissolution of everything that is not under God's rule and authority. Um, We have a choice to go deeper with God or to continue to stand on the outside and await the same judgment as the world. Let um, Let me tell you this. There is no magic in the name Christian. I know a lot of people that claim to be Christians, but I know they ain't. And I probably know a lot more people that claim to be Christians that I don't know they ain't. But there is no magic or power in the title of Christian. The power is in the submission of our life to His rule. That's when we're counted as His. He said, you love me? You love me? Keep my commandments. If you love me, you'll do what I say. That's what my that's that sounds like my dad now when I say it like that. So we've got to submit if we call ourselves a Christian, we've got to submit our life to his rule. Our life and everywhere else that we have influence has got to start looking like heaven. Is time winding down. Yes. You know what else is winding down? Our opportunities to do what he told us to do. Everything has got to begin to look like heaven. He said, when you pray, pray this. He said, first address God properly, but then ask him for this first thing to ask for your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That's the first thing he told us when you pray. Start by asking for that, because that's the, that sums up the entire purpose of why he did what he did. Is his goal is for earth to look like heaven. His goal is for everything to come under his rule and his sovereignty. And that's the commission that he gave us. Is to go and make heaven, earth, look like heaven. And some things have got to die. Everything that is contrary to heaven has got to die. And I have to look in my life and there's so many things that just stress me out all the time. And I have to look at those things like that's got to die because that ain't in heaven. And I want to tell you right now, if you're dealing with, I just feel like this morning we, we, uh, I just felt it in my spirit. So I just want to echo it here uh, because I think it's, it's pertinent now also is that there is no cancer. There is no sickness in heaven. And I want to tell you right now, I I know there's people in our body that are dealing with cancer. And I want to tell you that that's got to go. And I'm speaking in the spirit to that thing. And I'm saying it's got to go. That is not in heaven. We do not accept it. And so if there's anything in your life and you say, well, this definitely isn't in heaven. This definitely doesn't look like heaven. God has called us and commissioned us to bring that thing under the authority and the rulership of heaven. And that's what heaven is. That's where heaven is. That's where God will dwell is where he has lordship. A lot of us, we have no problem uh, submitting some, or we have no problem. I should say this. A lot of us will continue to do things our own way until we run up against something we can't do. And then we say, Lord, have your way. And I mean, if I'm not, I'm not God. God doesn't have my attitude. Thank goodness, because um, I'd be like, "Oh, now, now you want me?" Yeah. Um, God ain't like that. Um, so, whatever's contrary. So, how is heaven different? Let's talk after a little bit. Let's take a little bit of a detour and say we're going to talk about how is heaven different from what we experience here on earth? So we can look at what Jesus said. The things that Jesus said, He, he actually um, verbalized the philosophies of heaven while he was here. So if we look at the words he used and we look at the terms that he said, we can, we can say that this is what this what he's saying is framing for us the philosophy. Of heaven And the things that he used, the words like every, as in he went about doing good and healing everyone uh, uh, that was oppressed by the enemy, always, as in, lo, I am with you, always. He also used words like forever, eternity, even the phrase for all time. Those are the words that reflect the philosophy of heaven. We use phrases like this. Don't have. As in, I don't have what I want. I don't have what I need. Never. I've never been able to. I'll never be able to. And the one that we use probably the most is now. I want it now. It's got to happen now. The most important concept of heaven is eternity. What Jesus framed for us, the philosophy of heaven... Is the concept of eternity, which is the absence of time, did you realize that went, how many of when you were a kid and you said and they told you that heaven was going to be forever in Sunday school, you could not get your head around it because you 're just like, but so tomorrow and then the next day and the next day for a million years, no, forever, okay, so like two million years you know we can 't get our head around that because God has given us this framework, this this four dimensional framework. Of, uh, uh, but time is, is how we frame our, our days uh, and space. All of those things were created for us. If you take those out, which we, God created in Genesis, you can see that he created it in Genesis. But if you take those things out, then everything he says makes sense. Oh, eternity. You're removing the framework that we live in of time and space. So uh, the world doesn't understand eternity. When I was a kid, I didn't understand eternity. But, and, that, and by the way, that's why they're worried and stressed and anxious. is because, you know, if, and I, when I get this way, like I said, when I get this way, I know that I'm not uh, in, so fully submitted to God. Because a lot of times I'll see that I've got so much time. I've only got so much time. And I get stressed. And I get anxious, you know, that I've got to be here at this time. And I've got to be here. I'm not done yet. And I get all stressed out. I can't live there. I can't live in that world because Solomon said this. Solomon said that he has locked up eternity in your heart. If you're a believer in here, your job is to unlock eternity that God has locked up into your heart. We 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 will still have to live day to day. And although... Our days are going to continue to be regulated by time. Our vision cannot be. What you see has to be eternal. You cannot see up to the point of death and say, that's the end. As a believer, you've got to see over and beyond. God is calling us to be eternal beings even before we step into eternity. He's given us the tools we need to see what He sees. He's given us the Holy Spirit that does not see death. The Holy Spirit is eternal. The Holy Spirit is speaking to you, not about things until you die. The Holy Spirit is speaking to you about things that will never pass away. The Holy Spirit is speaking to us today about things that uh, uh, will transcend our time even here on the earth. What God sees is beyond what we see. We see, we've got to see past the veil of death into the age to come. And this brings us above the noise and the confusion that we all see around us that is causing everyone to be so anxious and uptight and everything. We've got to see above all that noise and confusion into a higher plane. Above the clouds. The uh, Bible talks about how he's given us wings like eagles so we can soar higher than everything else. And we can get up above all those things. If we're, if we're stressed out and we're anxious, we're not there. We're not above those things in the spirit the way he's called us to. Um, And, you know, we can see what God sees. But what I found out, a lesson that I've learned, is that I can't. The Holy Spirit cannot speak those things to me while I'm stressed out. Y'all ever tried to hear God's voice while you're stressed out? You know, and you're like, God, I just, I need you to, God, I just need you to help. You know, that's where our prayers are. Guys, if you haven't experienced that, then you've never been a youth pastor. Because uh, I was a youth pastor from the time I was probably, I don't know, 20 or something, you know, uh, for a long time. And I just, I was so stressed out all the time because I worked a job and I would get off work and I'd be like trying to, God, speak to me. God, you got to speak to me. I don't have anything to say. I'm going to be so humiliated, you know. And uh, so... Um, I was always stressed out about those things and I couldn't hear God's voice and what I found out is this. The Holy Spirit will do His job because Jesus said that I'm going to leave you the comforter. And so He will comfort you. And a lot of us, we live comfort to comfort to comfort. I'm stressed out, comfort me. Oh, thank you. I'm stressed out again, Holy Spirit, I need you to comfort me. Okay, thank you. And we never really get to the real reason, the purpose of the Holy Spirit. See, there is something, there is, there is a communication level that is above comfort with the Holy Spirit. And it's the communication level of vision. That the Holy Spirit, He will speak words of comfort, but He wants to speak words of vision. And we can, so we can see the kingdom approaching over the horizon. And we feel excitement. Guys, and sometimes i 'm there sometimes i 'm not i 'm just being really transparent with you but um, but some of us were never there it 's just like we think of the end coming and we think of Jesus coming back and we 're just like you know when we 're teenagers we 're just like i want to get married first you know and uh and so And uh, or, you know, and then you're married and you're like, but I want to have some kids first or I want this. We have all of these 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 things that we want to do before he comes back and everything. And so we always look at that as, as kind of dread, almost like death. We look at Jesus coming back and we're just like, everything's going to end. That tells me where my heart is. Immediately, it tells me where my heart is. Can I tell you this? Those of us that are married, we got married for one reason. Unless you're from another country, I've got friends that are in other countries that have arranged marriages, and uh, and God used it, and they ended up with their soulmate anyway. So God is awesome. God is big, and He can do whatever He wants to do. But for me, I fell in love, and that's the reason I got married. I spent some time with somebody that was pretty, and I found out that it was more than just they were pretty. There was something else. And eventually I said, I want to spend the rest of my life with this person. There was something that developed in our time together. And we fell in love. And there was no one else. No one else. And we couldn't get married fast enough. Y'all, y'all, was anybody else in that boat? It was just like, Short engagement It's like, why are we going to stretch this thing out? Let's let's get married, you know, and uh, some of you, y'all didn't even have a wedding. Y'all just went to the courthouse and uh, it's just like, you know, none, nothing else matters except being with you for the rest of my life. And guys, I want to tell you something. If I had never met my wife and somebody came to me and said, "Okay, um, you're having a wedding and uh, on August 7th, uh, they will come. And uh, you guys will say your vows. And you'll live the rest of your lives together. I would be terrified. I would be so scared. I would dread the day. I'm like, my life is going to end on this day. I don't even know this person. You know? And uh, that would be really scary. This morning, God is calling you to move beyond an arranged marriage. He's calling you to move into falling in love. God is wanting... To spend time with you. Did you know um, the Bible refers uh, more than more than anything else? He refers to his return as the marriage, marriage supper of the lamb. I told Pastor Maurice that he looked like he was coming to the marriage supper of the lamb this morning <laughs> with a charm. and so um, he. So it's referred to as this marriage. We're the bride of Christ. And it refers to you know remember the story of the, the ten virgins you know and and uh, they had their lamps lit they were waiting in expectation keeping their lamps lit waiting for the for the groom to come and take them away guys that is the picture that's heaven's perspective that's God's perspective to us and He wants us to spend time with Him He wants us to fall in love with Him.